1: Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. So let's take a look at the markets and try to get some content in, shall we? Um, Yesterday, the markets were a little on the blah side. Nothing really big, nothing really bad. NASDAQ was up one quarter of a percent. The S P 500 up one-tenth of one percent. The Dow Jones industrial average up one quarter of a percent. Mark Cuban showed everyone why he's a shark, um, selling his majority stake in the NBA's Dallas Mavericks to a casino tycoon, the Adelson family, for about $3.5 billion. He purchased the Mavericks for $285 million in the year 2000. to a $3.5 billion move. Not too shabby for 23 years. Elsewhere out there, um, ah, some stories I'm going to pass over today because we had chat on. Charlie Munger died at the age of 99 yesterday. The investing guru, right-hand man Warren Buffett at Berkshire Hathaway. Um, He was a rock star investor. He's someone that, if you have listened long enough, he knew that i didn't make fun of him but i was always kind of um i found his eyes odd he had one big eye one small eye um and that was my way of doing a radio show podcast to get you interested in them i don't think his net worth is at his well his net worth is good it's two and a half billion dollars but he he kind of broke away from what warren buffett was doing by buying more of his berkshire Hathaway stock and he did some other things Um, He was a big philanthropist. Um, I want to say that if you can spend some time today uh, reading some Charlie Munger quotes, I think they'll make you a better investor. Um, One of his quotes, um, the big money is not in the buying and selling, but in the waiting. Totally agree with that. I've owned Apple and Microsoft um, for 20 years. And I have positions in names like Amazon, Amazon. And for that, I planned. it's been for years, but it's going to be for hopefully 20 more years. I think they're the next big move in the world of AI, just FYI. Um, had a really nice quarter last quarter. Um, another Charlie Munger quote, it takes character to sit with all that cash and do nothing. I didn't get to the top where I am by going after mediocre opportunities. Like the way I said mediocre, said mediocre um i just think he's a great quote and i agree with it when you have a chance to buy a stock buy a great company don't buy a mediocre company don't buy someone who's problematic if you buy great companies in down markets you're gonna do yourself a favor if you can wait you're gonna do yourself a favor here's one of my favorite quotes of charlie munger dead at age 99 I'm going to do two more quotes, then I'm going to stop. If you mix raisins with turds, they're still turds. I kind of like that one. Again, if you have a lot of great companies, I was recently talking to an investor, and there's some names in there that I'm like, seriously? I'm not sure about this one. There were some great names. But overall, his portfolio, I think, was problematic because it had turds in it. Um, his quote on crypto. This is a great one. You're going to like this one. Sometimes I call it crypto crapo. Sometimes I call it crypto poop. It's just ridiculous that anyone would buy this stuff. I'm not proud of my country for allowing this crap. Um, I like him. So anyway, worthy of note, <clears throat> GM says the new union labor deal. Remember how we went through that this summer? The UAW contracts. They said the new union labor deal is going to cost... Increased total cost of the company by about $9.3 billion. It's going to cost you for your next GM vehicle an extra $575 in costs. Companies finalized a budget for next year and they've let some of that information out. Um, So when you see unions, I, I know that we, in our heart, we all want them to win. But know that it's going to create inflation when we have the screen actors and the writers um settle their deals and they get back to pumping out scripts for stranger things for netflix and the actors go back to work netflix is gonna raise prices they already have so will it be 575 dollars no uh not like gm it won't be that significant but um You're going to see another one or two bucks on something that's, you know, twelve, fifteen dollars. So it's significant. It's significant. Um, NVIDIA is going to become the world's largest semiconductor firm, I think, by the end of the year, early next year. Um, I think they have had two incredible, incredible quarters in a row, and I think you can expect two to four more. Their lead times for their semiconductors for people getting their hands on them somewhere between six and nine months. Now they've got strong demand. Throwing that down just in case uh, you want to see how I work as an investor. I was a little shocked to see the statistic yesterday only because it's really not me. So I don't really pay a lot of attention to it on a regular basis. It's estimated that four in ten American households owe some sort of healthcare related debt. That's pretty tragic. There was a woman who was diagnosed. I was reading about her trust. Um, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And she was a new mother. And she died at age 38. Her job provided her with health insurance that her husband described as really excellent. And as a result, her family was not saddled with thousands of dollars of medical debt. So what they did was because she knew she was basically death sentenced with ovarian cancer, they set up a fund with a nonprofit called RIP Medical Debt, which buys up debt for millions of dollars at a time at a fraction of the original cost. The group says that for every dollar it receives in donations, it can relieve about $100 of medical debt. This is the charity that I'm giving to this year. Um, R.I.P. Medical Debt. Um, I don't think 4 in 10 Americans should have healthcare debt. That to me seems as un-American as things seem, couldn't be. So um, to celebrate her life, she bought up other people's medical debt and then destroyed the debt. She's lucky to have access to the best medical care with her uh, plan. She did pass. And it was brutal with two young children. Um, anyway, what are you going to be doing? So it's the end of the year. It's charitable time of the year. Disney CEO Bob Iger tells employees he wants to start building again during town hall. So he did a town hall yesterday, and uh, he thinks he's got the pieces in place. He said first year of coming back was a lot of fixing. This year, it's going to be a lot of building. Disney's been fined by their 7,000 job cuts, company-wide mission to cut spending. It projects to save $7.5 billion this year. Um, You're going to see them reintroduce a dividend, which, by the way, GM did. You know, I just told you they're going to spend uh, more money. Uh, You're going to spend more money on cars, and they're going to spend more money on their employees. GM's a big winner today. It's up 10% on the news that they've reintroduced their um, dividend and stock buybacks and a couple other things. So anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Big event coming up, webinar on the readiness test for retirement. You can sign up at robblackshow.com. It's December 7th at 6.30. Sign up at Show. Think you're in good shape for retirement? Find out how you're
2: really doing with the seven steps for retirement readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors Thursday, December 7th for a live webinar you can watch from home. Chad will walk you through these seven steps to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and If you have at least $500,000 in investable assets and want to better gauge where your retirement stands, pass on your estate, and create tax efficiencies, this event is for you. The 7 Steps for Retirement Readiness Webinar, Thursday, December 7th, 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Sign up today online at robblackshow.com. Can't make it to the live webinar? Register to receive an on-demand recording after the webinar concludes. Go to robblackshow.com.
1: Can this month get any better? The wise words Patrick O'Hare typed out this morning on his page one article that he starts Monday through Friday uh i start with my market cycle with november games to be extended at the open patrick uh we've missed you the last couple of weeks hopefully you're having a good holiday season how are you
3: hey rob i'm doing fine thanks good to be back with you
1: and the month getting better that's the question or can we extend the month add a couple more days
3: <laughs> yeah i think everyone would like to uh make november the the only month of the year uh the great uh great thing for investors but Certainly, I've seen some tremendous performance this month. Um, You know, a lot of it is, uh, you know, predicated on the uh, shift in interest rates, frankly. Um, You know, we've seen rates come down appreciably since the end of October. uh, And as they have come down, um, based on the belief that the Fed has done raising rates and may, in fact, be cutting rates in the first half of of 2024, you've seen a piling in effect here um and it's created some short covering activity it's created what we call a flat squeeze which is you know essentially meaning that people who are on the sidelines you know waiting to deploy cash you know trying to figure things out have been forced back into the action out of a fear of missing out on further gains and uh and then there's just uh, you know arguably even some some good fundamental flow here in in the fact that earnings are holding up okay uh, interest rates have come down. Inflation is is sliding. Um, so these are all good things. And uh, the market has responded accordingly uh, with a lot of people kind of finding their way back in after being underweight equities for a good part of the year.
1: I subscribe to Bloomberg and I get briefing dot com as well. I'm surprised by how well you're able to pull this off. In your morning column this morning, you wrote some pleasing inflation data out of Germany, Spain, and Australia. How do you pull that kind of content together? Because I'm not even thinking about Germany, Spain, and Australia in the morning.
3: <laughs> well, uh, you know, admittedly, briefing.com has, has a primarily a U.S. focus. However, okay. we do uh, have some European and Asian summaries that we produced uh, prior to the open, and we capture... You know some of the key economic releases coming out of those regions, and uh, and then also it just comes with getting up early, frankly, and and reading a lot of news <laughs> that helps you uh, come to that conclusion. But if you then look at a kind of a, a, a one-minute chart on the ten-year note yield, for instance, uh, and you can see the overnight action and the drop in the, in the ten-year yield that occurred overnight, and it just lines up, you know, with. You know some of that pleasing inflation data. and and you know the market obviously is very sensitive to inflation news and uh, not just not just here, but around the world, because if the market gets a sense that inflation is is coming down, um, in many parts, it also is going to get a sense that central banks elsewhere are also likely to be done raising rates and may even in fact be cutting rates, which of course uh, will be, uh, you know, presumed to be a good thing for the growth outlook. And so that all feeds into, you know, why we also saw the equity futures up uh, nicely this morning uh, in response to those falling rates.
1: Good stuff. Now we still have a little bit of earnings season left to go, but it's kind of the fringe stuff. Um, is there anything that you're seeing in the final days of earnings season that we should be excited for or be worried about? A couple of weeks ago, we were learning from the retailers that expectations for sales are, are going down, not up.
3: Yeah, but, you know, it's right. It's, it's, it's kind of been a strange uh, earnings environment in a way because you have heard some of that. Right. And then you hear at the same time how you've had record uh, you know Cyber Monday sales, and you know, and that there's still you know some healthy uh, consumer spending activity in the early part of the holiday season here. Um, so it, it, it's tough to get a, a beat on that, um, you know, because the stock market overall has done reasonably well, not just these mega cap stocks, but you've seen some uplift in the broader market, which can, uh, has been evidenced in, in the SP 500 equal weight uh, index. So um, it, it is a little bit of a kind of a, a a wait and see mode, but I think that the market is is certainly still willing to give the benefit of the doubt to the idea that there's a soft landing because the linchpin there is that you still have a pretty sturdy labor market uh, and people who are employed are people who spend and uh, and until you get a real break in in the uh, in the labor market. You know, I don't think the market, uh, the stock market is going to uh, get overly concerned with, you know, again, with the idea of there being a hard landing here. Uh, It's still going to embrace the notion of a soft landing or maybe no landing at all. Uh, You know, I did note in the page one column this morning, the Atlanta Fed GDP now model estimate uh, is showing 2.1 percent growth in real GDP for the fourth quarter. Um, down from 5.2% in the third quarter, but you know 2.1% uh, on the heels of the aggressive tightening cycle we've seen from the Federal Reserve uh, is still pretty pretty darn good, all things considered. Uh, and I think that that's something that's going to be in the mind of traders and investors here as they um, still embrace this idea that the um, you know that the economy can come in for a soft landing, uh, and also meaning that earnings uh, should hold up reasonably well in that environment.
1: One of the things i say about my job doing a podcast and a broadcast is and doing tv work is i have to pay attention to the news and i look at 2024 and i see it's a political year um and i never look forward to that i just feel like it it, it, it tests me it, it makes me feel gloomy um and there's some thoughts that americans are spending what's uh considered on basically doom spending because we see the news in israel so bad we see the news in ukraine is so bad so we go out and doom spend um, any thought on uh, 2024 and what you expect. How do we hold up? Where do we go? Um, I've seen some market forecast of maybe 1% growth. I'm seeing some market growth uh, forecast of 10% growth. Uh, have you started pulling together any data on that?
3: I'm starting to, to formulate that, that market view and we'll have that compiled um, next week. You know, um, you know, I would add to that, you know, I don't think it's just a case that, you know, of, of doom spending. And I know you're not saying that specifically. I know you're saying that for this point in time. But mm-hmm. I think that when you look kind of at some historically low personal savings rates, it's just that Americans spend, you know, and probably don't save as much as they need to or can, frankly. Uh, and, um, you know, and that's why, you know, going back to my earlier point about, you know, the labor market holding up is so important to the economic outlook. And, uh, and that'll be – you know, key to the market view that I publish here, um, you know, uh, next week. Uh, also key to that market view is going to be, you know, what happens with interest rates. Uh, we can see that this stock market in particular is, is highly sensitive to changes in interest rates. It likes what it sees now because interest rates are coming down. Uh, but if you see that inflect again and interest rates start moving up again, you know, you're going to have a you know, keep, you know, running into this wall of, confusion and uncertainty about uh, how it can maybe pull the economy into a hard landing and how it could adversely impact earnings estimates. And so uh, so those are two key things that need to be watched uh, as 2024 unfolds here. Uh, and then of course, you know, how uh, the behavior of the Fed uh, gets reconciled with the expectations embedded in the Fed Funds futures market, uh, which is pricing in you know, two rate cuts now in the first half of 2024, and I believe four rate cuts for all of 2024. And yet you still have a lot of Fed officials, you know, who are telling you that they're not even thinking about rate cuts, notwithstanding the view we heard uh, yesterday from Fed Governor Waller.
1: Any last-second thoughts you want to share with us that you maybe are working on? Um, of note, I want to say I really liked the uh, uh, briefings work up yesterday, and there's short stories or their story stocks, excuse me, on Shine, and IPO of a Chinese retailer. Um, but is there anything that you're working on that you want to share?
3: Well, this morning, um, just looking ahead out to that personal income and spending report for October, um, you know, some of that has been embedded in the Q3 GDP numbers, So there shouldn't be uh, a whole lot of surprise as it relates to the income and spending numbers. But the market will still remain, you know, sensitive to that PCE price index component um, and is going to want us to continue to see disinflation there. Uh, And if it gets that, then you have a, you know, kind of a, you still have a a good layer of support here for the market in this seasonally strong time of year. As we move into December with the idea that inflation is coming down, the Fed is perhaps done raising rates uh, and um, and you have arguably some animal spirits back in the market to kind of keep things levitated here in the year end.
1: Thanks very much. That's Patrick O'Hare with briefing dot com, a reliable source of domestic and international news. I start my day every day with his page one. Um And I have a a list of stocks that I track at Briefing. So it makes it very easy for me to have a portfolio inside their site. And uh, at the end of the day, they send me news. And what happened to your stocks that day? Were there upgrades? Were there downgrades? Things along those lines. And it ties in the research that others have built. It's really nicely done. I highly recommend briefing.com. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's roblackshow.com. Amazon stock is approaching a new high. Where did that come from? That was a story in today's Barron's magazine. And they're giving a little bit of color on Amazon and how if at the end of the year, if spending stays up, there's a chance it can take out its all-time high again. I find that interesting. Um, it's a little speculative to, for a newspaper like Barron's to be so bullish in the writing on something that's kind of far away from its all-time high um its all-time high of 175 it's at 145 they're calling for another 30 points maybe by the end of the year i don't like that kind of writing i'm not against it it's just not something i lean into and go this is what's going to happen be very cautious on how you approach financial media i think briefing.com does a lovely Job. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Big event coming up December 7th. It's the final webinar of the year, the seven retirement readiness tests with CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at RobBlackShow.com, RobBlackShow.com. This interview featured on the Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at RobBlack.com. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Start the day off in a different direction let's bring in cfp chad burton cfp chad burton has been on my show for years and years we've partnered together we've had a good successful run of it we do seminars and webinars together we have a webinar coming up december 7th six thirty. you can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com that's robblackshow.com chad how are you doing well yeah doing this since 1999 rob a long time so it's been good it's worked out nicely yeah um, <clears throat> But you're doing an event, it's a webinar, it's last event of the year, seven steps for retirement readiness. Um, retirement readiness equals retirement happiness. Maybe so, maybe not. There's a lot to go through. It'll be an hour, hour and a half type event, seven steps for retirement readiness. People can sign up for the webinar at Chad Burton, or I don't know if it's at your website, I just looked. It's sign up at Rob yeah, Black show. It's it,
4: midway down the page.
1: Okay, chadburton.com, chadburton.com. And if that doesn't work, go to RobBlackShow.com and RobBlackShow.com. Now are you excited about doing a webinar?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Let's see Let's see how this works. You know, it's, it's tough for people to want to drive and travel when traffic's bad during the holiday season, people out shopping, you know, filling up the streets. so you can sit at home with a glass of wine, beer, whatever, and water, I don't care. And, uh, listen to us talk about really key steps that you need to take to say, am I ready to retire? Am I doing the right thing in retirement? So it's kind of those, if you think you're out 10 years from retirement or you're in retirement, it's a, it's, you do not want to miss this one. Starting a new podcast,
1: liquored Up with Chad Burton. It's-
4: <laughs> there, you <go. laughs> there you go. It's like drunk history, but drunk retirement planning. There would be something to be
1: said for that. Um, Cause I think a lot of people are not into dial chat about, uh, their true financial potential and what it's going to look like in retirement and you're helping. So let's um, chat a little bit about that. You can sign up at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. I've heard the 4% draw rate. This has been a big story in the last 52 weeks. It is once again a reality now that rates are higher, Chad. Does the seven steps for retirement readiness address a safe withdrawal rates?
4: It does, but it's it's a dynamic situation. So I think we first got it. We, we always need to go back and explain what this 4% draw rate rule is and put it in in terms of math that people can understand. And so this was, this was done in the nineties, right? Um, and so a guy wrote a paper essentially that said, if you have a balanced portfolio and if you can, if you're 65 years old and you can live off a 4% you've saved. So if you have a million dollars and you could comfortably survive off $40,000 a year today, then you should be able to retire and you should be able to increase your $40,000 withdrawal with 3% inflation every year and have enough money till the day you die, right? Um, And the idea is that the stock market will continue to average what it always done and the bonds would continue to average what they'd always done. Well, back then in the 90s, you know, the 10-year treasury rate, Rob, was was above 6%, right? Um, Then it just continued to fall. And, you know, currently today, the 10-year treasury is around 4.4%. Um, and that recovered from zero, essentially, during the COVID crisis. So we're back to where we were interest rate wise in 2007. Okay. Um, but we're not where we were when this whole rule was created. And so people have to understand that 4% withdrawal rate was created during a period of time when bonds paid more income to people than they do now. So that's why for the last several years, when rates fell way down, that I would say the 4% withdrawal rate is no longer a no brainer. There's so much more to that. And in fact, reality is, it's a very dynamic situation for retirees, especially if people retire early, and all of these different phases, because you go through different phases and amounts of drawing on your portfolio. For example, you know, a lot of people, Their full retirement age for Social Security where they don't get dinged for taking benefits early is 67 now. But most people wait until they're 70 if they think they're going to live into their mid 80s and beyond because then they get a much higher Social Security payout. So that could be, you know, $30,000 a year, for example. And so if you retire early, Mm -hmm. um, you don't have Social Security until you're later in life. And so that's there's different withdrawal phases. The other issue is that if you retire early, let's say it's 60, you don't have Medicare until you're 65. So your withdrawal rate is much higher to pay for your healthcare costs between 60 and 65. And then you get on Medicare and your, your health insurance costs can change. And then you have Social Security at 67 or 70, and then you have to start taking money from your IRAs and 401Ks at 73 is the new age. It's called a required minimum distribution. Now, once you get past that 73 age, Rob, things become a little easier, a little bit more autopilot. But until then, there's these different phases where we're doing, you know, what accounts are we living off of? How do we keep the taxes lower for longer versus the lowest tax bracket this year? And now there's this new issue, especially in in California, if you retire early and you're not on Medicare yet, that there's these premium tax credits that you have to adjust your tax strategy, where you can get a lot of your premiums covered, even though you have a lot of assets. Um, it's complicated, man. I'm telling you, it's it's be, between premium tax credits and the tax law that was passed in 2017. The benefits are much larger now for retirees. It's the best tax bracket I've seen in the nearly 30 years I've been doing this, but it's much more complicated right now.
1: Interesting. <clears throat> Um, one of the things I think is really impressive about EP Wealth is the software that you as a so- certified financial planner get to use. How much of what you just spewed out is automatically in the software so that people can think uh, – know that they're in good hands, that the math is being adjusted, that mm-hmm. the projections are being adjusted? Um you put yeah, a, yeah, you we know?
4: we program it all in there. I mean, so the the the, the idea of of a good financial plan um, is that every day you can see the value of all your accounts as they change, and then how do the value of those accounts go into your financial plan, and 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 that includes all of the modeling that we've done on growth rates, tax issues, which accounts to draw from first. Mm-hmm. And one of the phases of financial planning is looking out and say, okay, if you go into retirement, you live off of your cash and your taxable accounts first, and you delay taking income from your retirement accounts, what happens at age 73? How high does your tax bracket go? How low is it now? And how high will it be at age 73? What do we need to do to fight that problem today so that you're not getting crushed in taxes when you turn 73?
1: That, to me, is probably the number one thing why I don't want to do my own financial planning work, that I want ACFP to do my financial planning work because of the access to the software and I can't possibly juggle all these scenarios that you're juggling. How do you yeah. adjust I, your, Oops, go
4: ahead? Well, I was going to say I'll do a little demo, too, on December 7th on what that looks like, because um, by having a live living, breathing financial plan that yeah. includes You know, it's not a manual entry of how much is your 401k, and you plug in a manual number. No, it's it downloads the values every day, and so if there's a difficult market cycle and the market has a rough year like 2022 when stocks and bonds were both down. You can still log in and see how long is my money going to last. And if it's thin, you can say, okay, what minor changes do I make to expenses for the next 20 or 30 years versus some drastic change where, hey, no traveling for three years, the market just corrected. You don't want to do that. You don't want to live retirement like that. You want to make minor adjustments.
1: That's CFP Chad Burton. We will get him back soon. We have a big event coming up. You can sign up at chadburton.com, the 7 Steps for Retirement Readiness webinar, Thursday, uh, December 7th. It's the last event from the year. It starts at 6.30, goes to 7.30-ish. Um, if you miss the webinar, you usually get stuck in traffic. If you sign up for it, you could still have access to it. If you don't sign up, no access. So a lot of content will be discussed, tax-efficient distribution strategies, taxes, health and wellness, investing, long-term care, savings, and more. Thanks very much, Chad. Thanks, Rob. Let's take a break now. We'll come back and uh, take a look at what's happening inside the markets, or maybe we'll do more financial planning content. I'm Rob Black. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth Certified Financial Planners. Online at robblackshow.com. 2024 is going to be an interesting year for Disney. If I were a betting man, I would say that... You'll see the dividend come back, and that'll cause a 10% move in the stock. Um, Bob Iger knows that. Bob Iger wants to look like a genius. He probably regrets coming back to Disney, or maybe he regrets the decision of who he left the CEO role in the hands of when he left. Disney's 2023 has been defined by a lot of job cuts. Tiger wants to launch an ESPN streaming service with additional features such as advanced statistics integration with fantasy sports to appeal to younger audiences. He's made a deal to put the name ESPN on a gambling company. So out goes a lot of the morality that was associated with Disney as a family friendly business. Um, and in comes money, do re me. So uh, he talks about the movies. Uh, and they have to figure out how to get those right in two thousand and nineteen. They got every movie they did right now, not so much. Disney shares are up six point eight percent this year, but the s p five hundreds up eighteen nineteen percent. So can he get that franchise turned around? It will be interesting, and I think you're gonna see more partners brought in so they can bring in more cash flow um. Other stories of note. Today we have all three markets. I shouldn't say all three markets. I really should do more on the Russell uh, 2000. Uh, but the SP 500's up one third of 1%. The Dow's up one quarter of a percent. The NASDAQ's up four tenths of a percent. Getting a little weaker as the morning goes on. The Russell 2000's up a big winner, winner, chicken dinner up 1.4%. If I were to come out with a list of expectations for 2024, I would expect the, that the Russell 2000 and the S&P uh, 400 mid cap would have better years than the NASDAQ. Interesting, right? Um, but I'm not really that kind. I'm not a short term predictor. Um, I like to buy really high-quality companies when in down markets or in down cycles for them. Um, and some of the companies that I'm calling high-quality, maybe they're really not. Look at the trouble that Meta is in at this point in time. It's a company that I hold. Um, I didn't buy it at the IPO when it was Facebook. But in the short couple months after it ipo it dropped 50% and it went down to $18, $20 a share. Um, I didn't buy it at 1820, but I got it in the mid-20s. Um, I think it's a good name. I don't like their business practices. I'm more worried about what Instagram is doing to young women in America as far as body images go. A report came out earlier this week. Maybe it was late last week, talking about how Instagram is guilty of using algorithms that put like older men in touch with younger women photos. And like, Oh my, I couldn't even imagine having a daughter. Um, But wall street journal did a really nice report on Instagram and reels with the app's algorithm pushing salacious content tied to preteen users appears alongside well-known brands. So there's a lot I don't like about Instagram and Facebook Um, this year. I'm giving charitable money at the end of the year to a medical debt relief company. Uh, In the future, I can give money to, you know, companies that try to help uh, women in their body images in the United States, because I do think it's a problem. Um, The author of the article, Jeff Horowitz, discovered dark content that included known victims of exploitation being used as advertisements for other websites and apps. And Facebook has some things... Or Meta has some things to answer to. One of the reasons I like Meta, believe it or not, is their Oculus their quest three uh headset. I think it's gonna be a big seller this winter, this Christmas. Um quest two, I don't think, was ready for prime time. The quest three is it's pretty good. Um GM shares are up 10% today on a stock buyback, dividend hike, and twenty twenty-three guidance. US GDP grew at a five point two percent rate in the third quarter, even stronger than first indicated. Um, mcdonald's is bringing back the iconic mcnuggets happy meal toys for some reason that's a story i hate it but it's a story Uh, less than six months after the grimace shake reinvigorated the popularity of the fast food chain's big purple taste bud mcdonald's has turned its attention on mascots that have been dormant for over 25 years the mcnugget buddies these are really strange looking things they're chicken nuggets that look like characters one kind of looks like an Elvis one kind of looks like a mayor um, but the McNugget McDug- buddies were introduced in 1990 1988 uh, they made appearances in Canada a couple times they're available as sports buddies in the UK uh, they do they dress up chicken nuggets as Halloween costumes uh, I bring McDonald's up because I like the stock for a long-term patient investor, uh, you can't really avoid it um, in America. I'm not saying you can, you can avoid the stock if you don't like it. That's fine. But it pays a 2.3% dividend yield. It's PE ratios in the 20s, which makes it really expensive. But 15 years ago, when I had a, a kid, I said, you know, we're never, ever going to let him eat at McDonald's. And on occasion, on road trips, we eat at McDonald's. And the thing what was interesting was 15 years ago on road trips, we would always stop at McDonald's and um, hit their playgrounds. You know, when you do like a six hour road trip with a kid, he really wants to see that bright colored stuff. There's some sort of appeal to the company. Uh, do I think it's expensive? I do think it's expensive. Um, so it's always on my watch my watch list. And if it were to ever drop 10%, I like it even more. When it drops 20%, I love it even more. If it drops 30%, percent ba ba I'm buying it. And I'm being silly, but um, don't be afraid to own stocks like that. Um, Dressing up chicken nuggets from 1988 is making a story in 2023. Take a look at the stock. Um, I don't want to use the word beautiful because that's kind of crazy. But when you take a look at the last five years, it's gone from 179 to 289. Like, There's periods of underperformance, but not many. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. Dot com. I'm Rob Black. Big event coming up on the 7th of December, webinar 6.30 p.m. Sign up for it right now at Rob Black Show. Com. Think you're in good shape for retirement? Find out how you're really
2: doing with the seven steps for retirement readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors Thursday, December 7th for a live webinar you can watch from home. Chad will walk you through these seven steps to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and more if you have at least 500,000 in investable assets and want to better gauge where your retirement stands pass on your estate and create tax efficiencies this event is for you the seven steps for retirement readiness webinar thursday december 7th 6 30 to 7 30 p.m sign up today online at robblackshow.com can't make it to the live webinar register to receive an on-demand recording after the webinar concludes go to robblackshow.com